Good morning, everyone. For those who don't know me, my name is Father Albert Blunt. Uh, if you couldn't tell from my mic mishap, I'm a new priest. I've been ordained for a whole week. And I have to be honest, I'm pretty nervous. Not so much about the Mass, but this is my first Trinity Sunday homily. And for all the ex-seminarians in the room, they've heard this. As soon as you start seminary, they tell you, any homily over three minutes on the Trinity is going to be full of heresy. And I'm already a minute and a half in, so... But also, I just helped a friend with a massive Trinity presentation, so I have so much I would love to share. So if you guys want to sit here for the next few weeks, we can dive through the whole creation to the second coming. So I have a few notes to keep me on track. I would like to root our reflection today, the homily, in one of the verses that give us the Trinitarian formula. So this comes through from Matthew 28, right before Jesus ascends into heaven. In the Great Commission, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. So this verse gives us this Trinitarian formula, right? The mystery of mysteries that contain the entire sum of divine revelation. But I would like to look at where Christ tells us, I will be with you always to the close of the age and how the Trinity is present where we know Christ is present. So first, we have the sacraments. In baptism, we hear, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In the Mass, particularly during the Eucharistic prayer, the priest, in the person of Christ, so Christ being present, prays to the Father and then asks for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Right, so we have the Trinity there present. And then in confession, at the beginning of the prayer of absolution, we hear God, the Father of mercies, through the death and resurrection of his Son, has reconciled the world to himself and poured out the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins. So we know that Christ instituted the sacraments. Right? So we know that he is present, and these are a sure way we know of his presence. We even hear the Trinity proclaimed through the sacraments. But while we know that he's present there, there's more. Right? Christ always wants to give us more and more and more of himself. So we see that the sacraments are at the service of relationship. And we know that they're at the service of relationship because in heaven there will be no sacraments, only an eternal relationship with the Trinity. And this is really where I want to focus, right? this reality of relationship. Because in our baptism, and for those most of you who don't know this, I was baptized right here just 11 years ago. Received my confirmation on the foot of the sanctuary, First Communion right here. Right, so my experience of this was very real in my baptism. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit takes up his dwelling within us. And we know this is the case because the scriptures make it explicit. We don't have to wonder or speculate. Because in John's gospel in the 14th chapter, Christ himself says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. You know him, 
for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then six verses later, he says, if a man loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Right, so the Trinity dwells within us. There's all this high theology of the Trinity and if you took a whole class on it, you would feel like you know less. At least that was my experience. So I could, you know, get some Latin phrases and sound really smart. But the reality where we encounter the Trinity most often is the reality that he lives in us. And I would like to speak of this in the imagery of a land. So when God takes his dwelling up within us, he gives us a land. And we get this from the imagery of Ezekiel the prophet, who says, speaking of the spirit that will come, maybe not knowing that, and Christ, right, fully present in the Old Testament, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all uncleanliness. And from all your idols I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. I will take out your heart of flesh. I will take out of your heart of flesh the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. So we have this land. And my spiritual director, two years ago, put it in the terms of this, like, This land can never be taken from us. We often have this temptation to believe that that Satan comes in and he disrupts this land, he takes it from us, he robs us of this land. But my spiritual director made it very clear, this this is a land that Satan could never enter. And so as I prayed and reflected on, Lord, like what does this land look like? What does it look like to live with you present in this land What he revealed to me, and I think kind of goes for all of us, is while Satan cannot take this land from us, and we can never fully lose it, even through mortal sin, he can tempt us to leave the land, particularly parts of our hearts, right? Parts that in the land, their natural habitat, they're fully alive because they know that they are loved. So you have this part of trust. I have complete trust that the Father loves me. But when it comes out of the land, it becomes control. And that takes different forms in our lives, whether it's working to have this control, finances, anxiety, where I don't have control. In the land, it's, it's a good, beautiful thing, but it gets distorted. So different parts of our hearts are tempted to, to flee the land. And in our prayer, we come to invite those parts back that the Lord may teach them who they really are, Right, present with the Trinity in this land. And it'll look different for each of us. My own beautiful experience of this was just sitting in a hammock with, with the Trinity and like overlooking this beautiful valley because like I'm on this mountaintop and just being present with him there. And all the people the Lord has given me are, are in the valley of my heart. And what he re- revealed to me, uh, further praying with this experience over time, particularly when I first entered seminary, is that he wants us to live here always. Right? We know that he's present in the sacraments, but it's easy for us to sanction that off, our time with him to the sacraments, or even if we have a, a daily routine of prayer, to sanction it there. Like, all right, Jesus, we're tight. I did the thing. I showed up. But he wants us to live out of this place. 
And my own experience of this at the beginning was, as I was in seminary, as I was talking to my brother seminarians, our priests, I would get the experience that I had stepped away from them. So while I was fully present, I could hear everything they were saying, I felt this interior peace, and I could hear another person speaking to me. And as I began to spend time in silence throughout my time in seminary, I began not only to experience this present of another person, but to hear what he was saying. And what he began to do was comment on what was happening in the present moment. So I began to have two simultaneous dialogues. Right? The person in front of me, or the moment I'm experiencing, and the Lord would speak about that. And at first it was just him speaking and saying, okay, here's, here's what I want to say to this person, or here's what I want to say to your heart about this experience. And then as further going, slow process, I began to, to willingly step back into this place and say, Lord, like, what do you want to say here? And what he revealed over my first few years of seminary was that it was my moments in silence. Those little moments, whether it was 30 seconds or whenever I woke up before the, the busyness of seminary life began, driving in the car, choosing to not put the radio on, which is hard for me. If you know me, I'm always singing, and I'm a little energetic, so being in a car with silence, not so easy. But he began to reveal like those little moments were little bricks of which he was building the sanctuary of my heart to expand and ever expanding to where that little experience and conversation of stepping back and, and saying, Lord, what, what do you want to say to this person? began to take over other parts of my life. Now, it's not complete. This is a very slow burn and grind of allowing these parts of your heart that we surrender piece by piece to the Lord. But as we do so, and this is possible, this is possible for parents, right? And sometimes that silence is surrounded by a lot of noise. You have a screaming baby. You can then enter into a little, Lord, just be with me here, because that silence is really just an experience of presence. So maybe it's not always total silence, but it's an experience of being with him so that we can come to live out of this place in all of our lives, no matter what is going on, no matter what anxieties come, temptations from Satan, we allow this sanctuary to envelop our whole being and our whole heart. So anxieties, things that rob us of our priests, they will come for the rest of our lives, but we become more sensitive to them because we know, okay, I'm not in my land because something isn't right. I, I feel something is off here. And so Lord, just invite my heart back. Invite this part of my heart that is most important of trust, trusting that you're a good father so that I can trust that you truly love me and that I am good in the places where I think I am the worst. And this will look different for all of us, right? Whatever the Lord, how he speaks to us, the language he uses with us, there's no one model for how this looks. And if you've been told there's one model and it doesn't work for you and you're frustrated, then allow the Lord to reveal, Lord, what does is, what is my land look like, right? What is this place of intimacy where only you and I can go? This place of love, where I know who I am because I know who you are. I know whose I am. 
And if we can allow this over time to fully envelop our life, again, it's a slow process, this is how we begin to live heaven on earth, right? Always present to the Trinity who dwells in us. So when the Lord tells us, I am with you for all of the ages, he speaks the truth. The question that we have to ask ourselves is will we be present to him for all of our own life? Thank you for listening. The ministry here at CTK is made possible through our generous donors and golden givers. If you would like to learn more or partner with Christ the King on LSU's campus, please visit ctklsu.org.